Welcome to the John Corbin Podcast. My name is John Corbin. This is a show of meaningful conversations where I sit down with artists, thinkers, and interesting people to tell stories on the themes of creativity, inspiration, community, and learning together. You can find out more about the podcast at my website, johncorbinmusic.com, and you can find me on social media. My Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram handles are at John Corbin Music. That's J-O-N-C-O-R-B-I-N. That's right. There is no H. Finally, we are Patreon supported. You can find out more at patreon.com slash John Corbin. Your Patreon support is greatly appreciated. It not only allows the show to keep running, but allows it to reach for higher levels. If you want to provide monthly support, there are no tiers. You can just pay what you choose. And that gives you access to bonus material around the podcast, but also exclusive creative work like new songs, poems, essays, and a whole lot more. And today's guest has a bunch of stories. (laughs) He's got a bunch of stories. Uh, We go way back. Uh, This is episode two. And I thought it'd be great to touch on big parts of my career in getting involved in hip-hop music. And so why not bring in one of the guys I've known the longest? I will mention that this is another episode that was recorded pre-COVID. Uh, if you've been tracking along, I had a few banked episodes uh, to get myself started, and I still think that they're very valuable. Uh, but you'll hear us talk about reference to uh, you know traveling to the States uh, as a Canadian that's living with closed borders. That's not really going to happen. So um, keep that in mind, and I think that there, there's a lot that you'll be able to get out of it. And now, Dr. MC Wordsmith. Dr. Cyril Garrett. How's it going? I'm well. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. We are live in the Corbin basement. Uh, live, ready for uh, some real stories, man. Talking about those days when the grimy underground of hip-hop, right? <laughs> it's the days of old, for sure, eh? When yeah, we start man. to recount, uh, we've known each other for about 16 years now. Yeah, man. It's pretty crazy. amazing. All right, so I hate uh, long bios, so but I want people to get to know you. So quick, who are you? Uh, my name is uh, Cyril Garrett. I am a professor at Tyndale University. I teach in philosophy and theology. Um, and yeah, I did my PhD at U of T, uh, St. Michael's College. Uh, I am also a pastor of a church called Groundswell Church. It's a church plant with the Christian Missionary Alliance in the Halton region, so kind of Burlington, Oakville. And then I'm, I live in Waterdown, so we also got in Hamilton kind of connections. And although we, Milton here is part of Halton as well, so got to sure show some love there. And I'm also a rapper, Il Seer. Dropped some yeah. records back in the day, still appearing uh, as a guest often. This guy's probably most released as a, a guest <laughs> on Mr. Corbin's uh, beautiful uh, opus he's had as this journey of a uh, hip-hop collaborator. And I am a father of three, so... Uh, Dominic Justice and Sela and from 12, 10, and 9. And my wife, Megan, is a beautiful visual artist who holds us all down uh, in the lovely little town of Waterdown, although we were in Toronto for uh, most of our marriage. So I've been married about almost 17 years this year. Yeah. Shout out to Megan. <laughs> uh, yeah, you answered my other questions. What do you do and who do you keep close to you? So now this last piece, uh, describe yourself in one word. Uh, oh, one word, word, uh, and one word, word, married, 
You know what I'm saying? Word. He's definitely a word nerd. Yeah, I would say that. Like when I think of uh, one word I want to describe myself as word. I think in words. I don't, I have aphantasia, so I don't see pictures. So hmm. words are my main commodity. Um, I think of the word as uh, the source of all life. Uh, Jesus Christ is the word, but he's the spoken word that created all creation. So I love that. Love word used as like an affirmative, as an amen yep. word, because uh, that's truth. And truth is the center of all being uh, with, along with uh, beauty and, uh, you know, I, I feel and being and goodness. So I feel like word helps sum up uh, a lot of who I am. Man. That's it. I love that. I haven't heard that before. That's awesome. <clears throat> I never had that test before but i like it that's a good okay so i i told you this off but I, it's it's not a joke i'm gonna tell you what i say about you behind your back <laughs> that, it's this yeah. is it that's hilarious so i was i was i was doing this wow. today as i was real. saying it's I, real i i told the, my coworker i'm doing a podcast interview today and she's like oh that's so exciting who are you interviewing i said my friend cyril that i have known for uh a decade and a half Ever. and i so here's what i say uh he is a pastor and he is, he has a PhD, which I think that might be the only person I know with a PhD. And it's really unique. I said, it's a really unique PhD. <laughs> and they go, what? And they're already intrigued. They want to know. And I talk about the connection between Old Testament prophecy and hip hop freestyle. Ah. And, and so now they're just like floored. <laughs> and they're just like, what is this about? And I'd say, like, Cyril says to, this to me for as long as I've known him, like, in the Old Testament of the Bible, yes. when prophets come and they're asked, can we have a word from the Lord? And they yeah. say, go play me some music. Yes. And then I'll spit. That's right. Right? The minstrel. It's like, give me a beat. Yes. This is what it's like. That's and right, I say, man. And I, say, and I say, he's an amazing wordsmith. Oh, thank you. And that always, that matters to me as someone, as an MC, and I'm someone who cares about creativity and words. And then I would say, probably... At his peak, now you're gonna you might you might check me on the adjustment on the right, percentage, right. but I said at his peak, I've heard him speak in sermons that are like sixty five to seventy percent in rhyme. Yeah, I've created some that way for sure. You're right. I've done some. I've done like almost completely in rhyme. Like yeah, shorter ones, but yeah, you're right. I definitely this floors me every time. Yeah, and then what else do I say? That's I, amazing. I like to talk. You put about it that your, way; it's amazing. It was a yeah. special project or two, but yeah, I've definitely done a few where it's that's the sermon. That's a good point. And maybe I'm lucky enough just to be in the building when those those are happening. Uh, I don't know I'm if like, you're lucky or if you're a part of the inspiration, bro. This, does he do this all the time? <laughs> like you've come and pre- guest preach at our church, and yeah. I hear the rhymes, and it's because it's a church service. I don't want to be like ah. <laughs> Maybe I can snap uh, my fingers, you know. Or, oh, man. But yeah, I, I catch that for sure. That always, and then I talk Thank about you. psalm bombing. Yes, which is a, which is a project, a, a, something that's emerged. And a, so this happened today as we were talking. My coworker says, "I say I say the the rhymes, and then I say psalm bombing." And she's like, "Oh, this is a church I want to go to." Nah, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I'm so oh. interested that you're interested." Yeah, we got to resurrect psalm bombing. I was just seeing the other day. I want to do some more events like that, or, or like even just do some. I was talking to a guy who does TV and stuff. I was like, we could just do this. Like, yeah, we got to follow up on this. Yeah, so, so, so tell us. Because you're part of that, man. Like, you're from Word. the get-go, right? Like, Word. Psalm bombing is definitely. Tell us about psalm bombing as an event for. Yeah, uh, psalm bombing prayer. is definitely, uh, it's just basically the art of doxological freestyle. So it's uh, using freestyle rhyme to worship. Um, when you look back, Hippolytus is one of the earliest uh, 
bishops of Rome talks about how uh, when they used to do the Eucharist, they would have the priest do basically like a kind of a freestyle poetic version of the Eucharist. They, they'd always do it extra, extemporaneously. Uh, but then as the, the church grew, they didn't have enough people skilled enough in it, so they started writing down the hmm. the mass. So if you think about early on, like some of those early tr- Christian worships, there was someone kind of freestyling. Now, were they using rhyme or what poetic devices? But they were using the, the sound intonations for sure. They were kind of sung, kind of poetic chants over the scriptures, right? So that's kind of been part of the church from the get-go. We know we know for sure David was doing it. He was song bombing and freestyling. Uh, we know because Amos kind of makes fun of like, oh, I improvise songs on the harp like David. He's kind of <laughs> teasing that. But, but that's what David would actually do, right? And he yeah. he actually would talk about uh, that. And that, that just revolutionized the whole uh, atmosphere uh, in in Israel. Like I, th- I believe he created a cultural revolution with the the kind of rebuilding of the Levite singers and turning them mm. into this kind of choral, kind of musical, poetic, psalm making group, which continued for forever. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. In- influencing most of music, right? I would say, like, yeah, and, and even including the the blues and the singing of the laments. Like these things are all kind of like allowing some of that to be part of religious uh, worship. You know, I, I feel like what we have today in hip hop kind of is just like continuing the psalmic tradition, I guess, right? So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you have Augustine, who was the bishop of Rome, uh, uh, no, sorry, uh, bishop of Hippo in North Africa, although he was in Rome in Milan as a professor, he moves back to Africa and he, he writes the psalmist contra Donantis. So he has a, a whole tract in rhyme against an adversary who, who would use poetry to kind of perpetuate heresy right so we had this going on for a long time he just said battle rap yeah yeah well dude if you read the confessions there's ba- he used to win the battle rap competitions in Milan as a professor and then he then he started doing that like uh, we have a couple of the ancient fathers using kind of po- poetry to fight against what they would call heresy at the time so. oh man but freestyling would basically be just kind of creating that stuff especially in prayer i believe prayer is powerful language talking to god things come out and then uh, when you do that with music being played spontaneously and me and you, maybe a couple of people going back and forth, just creating spontaneously, sometimes moments of it are kind of dull or not technically great, but there's also moments of like pure inspiration and you're like, oh, this is where music is meant to be, mm-hmm. like the jamming culture. And I've heard they're starting to do this a little bit more on the, the West Coast. There's a church in uh, Portland that's using a lot of the Levite language and freestyling. And, and I was like, what? So I want to find out a little bit more about what's going on over there because that's basically, I think part of what it means to be a Christian musician nowadays is being able to uh, do that type of thing. So uh, I, I love spontaneity as part of worship. It's fantastic. It sounds like uh, we need to take a trip out to Portland is what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, for real, man. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah, so um, the the events that I've been to, I was one at one at Heritage College in Cambridge where you were a professor for a while. Yes. Uh, and there would be, so there's really for the uninitiated, uh, which always impressed me. So we'd have some musicians together and they would play and jam together and, and create music and then there would be the space for yes. uh, students to get up and pray in free in freestyle rhyme and a lot of them again uninitiated had never attempted rhyme before yeah they were trying to pray in this new way i found it fascinating that was uh really they're vulnerable they get up there they kind of try it some of those kids i remember were telling me about you know how that impacted them from going on they started creating writing and stuff and I remember the first guy who actually believed that was he was in charge of Missions Fest that 
year, a student of mine, and he called me and asked me to do that, and I'll never forget it because he had ended up passing away uh, as a missionary in um, Asia. Actually, mm. I got hit by a bus, but he he saw that he was like, no, this is something we can do, and we turned it in, as part of the mission uh, fest at Heritage. And I thought, like, I, it was amazing to see some missionaries come out and they're watching this, and people come up and just reading psalms over the music being played live, and musicians kind of just coming and jamming all together. And um, so I've done that. We've done it a few times, right? We did it in Toronto before, yeah. and yeah, we um, did. I, the one I that I have recorded is uh, from beatboxing. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, so there's a beatboxer and then there were several MCs and then you and I, like, yeah, the, the clip I have is about 10 minutes of us going back and forth, like, freestyling. I love prayer that. I remember that one, yeah. Next day, yo, I'm asking for my daily bread. Next, you can say I'm gonna get in the text because every time I get in the text, I learn bro, believe in he's planted the seed so that allows me to get free and bust some freestyles with steady ease and then believe I'm gonna get my pen and write or get on the laptop, get in the bad plot. Never that, I'm asking Asking for the sound to get on the microphone and reflect the vine. And if that's my sound for sure, I'll do this without a microphone. Best believe it's pure. Like I'm in my car, driving, freestyling, asking the world, Lord, for bless me for miles in. Driving through like Vinny Michelle, we rocking guitars and music as well. Getting into it, head don't swell. I'm just feeling the spirit, man. I'm just trying to get the rock with the bells. Can't get to yet. See who's gonna take over. Praising Jehovah. <laughs> Praise to Jehovah. Praise to Jehovah. It's not over, so we'll hover. Cause you know God is a lover. He's like a brother who likes to fight for us. Guess he does the right for us. And I got the mic and he'll strike up dust. I'll be kicking it from my feet cause I kinda come sweet. And kinda deep cause I gotta ask God for the treats and my nourishment and encouragement. Oh, I have to say I got encouragement from my rhyme partner. You don't hear lyrics much smarter than the ones we heard from Mr. Corbin. And I'm absorbing, trying to get this. It's kind of absorbing. Good stories. Yeah. So a little the, reggae in that too, right? That, that, yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember that yeah. too. Um, okay, so then the last thing I'd say about, about you behind your back <laughs> is my frustration um, oh. with the with the word smithery that doesn't get recognized. So, oh. like, so you know, if you know, I don't know if, if listeners can tell, but uh, you're of the Caucasian persuasion. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> Um, and to me, contextually, you always, you actually, were, you actually put me onto LP, the right. rapper, yes. who's now the producer behind Run the Jewels yes. with Killer Mike. So everyone knows Great. Run the Jewels, yes. but nobody knows that LP could actually spit. Yeah, right. And there was always this left of center or alternative, quote unquote, alternative hip hop that would have been had an audience in the states yes right with just with a much bigger country yeah. and you were out here rhyming with like the fire of chuck d but not his <laughs> skin tone right so you yes. never got the res- like the respect uh, and that that always bothered me because it's like i would take your word smithery yeah in any battle but it's almost like because you have this unusual style, right? It's it, definitely it doesn't land with a larger audience. Yeah, that frustrates me. Where I'm just like, this guy's really dope. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah. You know what? Like, I felt that way for a long time. I remember I used to have some of my CDs and, and um, we try to get buzz. And uh, I remember one time I was on a message board. I think it's philiflavor.com, and there's a couple of people on there. One of them was. Uh, 
uh, slug from atmosphere, but he was a Sean, and he would say, and, he, and him and a couple of people kind of had my scene. They were, oh, he's dope. He said something like that, and I always remember being like, okay, like someone good thinks that my words were good, and right? Just I won't. I don't. I, I realized really early on, probably not going to be my main thing to get recognition for, or like, um, although it was cool to do that thing with Drew Brown, and then kind of get. Uh, I, I was out of nowhere get this award for the rap song of the year last year which was basically me doing my poetic kind of thing for church and then him him having a dope beat and taking it and and turning it into something that became more palatable i guess for the me i don't know what it was but it, it, it was the perfect timing for it as a vehicle but mm-hmm. uh but i i appreciate you saying that to me man because i always i i feel like i think you have a similar conundrum in terms of being canadian i feel like if you were <laughs> in america you would then acknowledge even greater, like you have obviously a lot of people recognizing music. It's like, but you have a, that pop sensibility, like people just like, they catch it, they feel it in, they're going, just wish you had a bigger mm-hmm. audience. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, which maybe this, this podcast will help people re- recognize that too. Cause I, maybe I am fine for people to enjoy this journey because this is you always been cool about, right? Conversations, man. This and you're always putting other people on too, which is kind of, I think pretty amazing where you're always helping other people get discovered and trying to put them out and, which I think is part of what I recognize from the well, from, since we first met. Right. 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 The catalyst. That is actually my next question. Yeah. Uh, I'm really bad at remembering these things. So I, I often ask people in conversation, how did we meet? Cause I never remember. So I'm going to ask you, do you remember <laughs> how we met? Yes. I remember like, cause of how you met. Do we, we eat meet or when we see meet. That is a good question. Uh, so the first time we met, like in any form would be electronically through connection through plastic at spheres hip hop. We yeah. said, you guys are both down in Canada. Like you should know each other. And I remember I had just kind of, I, I had talked to him a few times. I met the listener out in the States at one point. Cause I like, I had connected with him and, and then I came yeah. back here and I, so she, I went, there's basically this like, you gotta be this guy, John Corbin. And so we got in touch and he started talking. Um, and then I remember you inviting me out to, a night that you were basically already going to be a catalyst. You said, I'm going to have a bunch of MCs come yeah. through. So, so plastic, uh, is runs, it has been running a website for two decades called sphere of hip hop, which has taken multiple forms. It has been a, a blog and news site, music review site for, uh, Christians in hip hop. I would yeah. say that way. Yeah. Um, and it also collected, uh, fans and artists in a, a message board forum. They when, put out albums like mind the gap and yeah. stuff. And so I remember he put, put my stuff out on one of his albums one time. And like, from the very get go, he was one of the guys that would actually support. Yeah. Right. I have to say plastic, uh, was always really a catalyst for the whole scene of people who were had faith but were rappers so i knew him in 2001 just emailing him and asking him questions about blogs he was writing on his website and then shortly after i started writing for various um internet outlets like music reviews yeah and so he was one of those people that's always on it like he would send me cds so i could do reviews um, so we had been emailing back and forth for a couple of years and then it was him to say, Hey, there's this guy I know that's also a Christian that raps and like, you know, Americans like, Oh, in Canada, you know, so and so and they like live in Saskatchewan near in Ontario. Uh, no, we were in the same yes. like tri cities. Yes. I was going to school at, uh, Wilfrid Laurier in Waterloo and you were living in Kitchener. Yeah. I moved to Kitchener yeah. right when I got married in 2003. Yeah. Neighboring city. So then, yeah, we were, yeah, we were basically other. in the same hood, right? Yeah. And then, 
So I'm, I again, my memory's fuzzy if it was 03 or 04, but I had a radio show. It was probably, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a radio show. And, it could have uh, been even 2002 or something. It's, it? it's possible because yeah. my second my second year was uh, was 02, and I had I a show it, that year. Yeah, I think it was 02 maybe. Because, okay. So we might have met even before I got married, just before. Because I remember I also had that, we had the prophetic, prophetic show. I think that was right before I got married or right around when I got married. Oh, with uh, Mars Ill. Yeah, Mars Ill and the and listener. listener in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, there's another story there, but that will take us on a dead passion. <laughs> we got my it was around that time. That was... Yeah, I got my first car towed. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Goodness, yeah. So this early, so this so might it was, be a one o two. Yeah. So yeah, I invited you to come out to my radio show, and during the sh- uh, the evolution of the show, at Radio Laurier is loc. It's an internet radio station at the time. It's located in the campus, like uh, in the main student area, and any hip hop show could be frequented by MCs. Yeah. That would just come and say, like, kill me freestyle. Yeah. And so you just got used to giving a section of your show to come and do freestyle. So when um, when Plastic put me on to you, I said, come on and do an interview. Yeah, and I think we actually met at your house. You had a bunch of us over at your house, and then we walked over from there to the to the radio show. I think. That was, yeah, that was like a special night. Um, but the the one I remember before, oh, beforehand yeah. Yeah. is you show up to do the interview. You bring some music with like this real oh, like yeah. left of center hip hop that I'd never heard of before, and I'm playing it on the show. And then then we're gonna like get you to freestyle on the mic, and then the room fills up with MCs. Yes, yes. And it was uh, which wound up being like our kind of running mates. Yeah, right? like Soul Natural, Soul Natural, Shad, Shad was there, yeah, man. and uh, and Kinsman the Mere Mortal. Yes, and they all came and freestyled, including you. Yeah, and all of a sudden, like there was like you had like four other, three other people around you. There was rapping. like a synergy there, yeah. man. I remember those moments. That was like those are uh, just awesome days. I remember listening to like some of those sessions that you did, you, we had on the, off the head top, right? I think yeah. like we put out a little mixtape or something like that. Yeah. And like, and I think relic was on one of them came through. Yeah. That and was the, that was the big one that you're that talking was the about. One that, yeah. That was the one at my apartment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, we walked to the, or my house, my, uh, my student house. And then we walked down to the station and we, yeah. like, they just, the station was like, it was like on a weekend. So we just had two or three hours to kick it and rap and, yeah, and just listen to music and stuff, and yeah, a bunch of those freestyles I remember putting on to different compilations. For sure, man. And it's funny, even then, I remember the first time I heard Chad freestyle because I've been freestyle for years, and especially when I was in the UK and stuff. Came back, and I was like, "Oh, like that's legit freestyle." Like you can tell it's real, but then it's also like so good. And you're like, "Whoa, this is a talented dude," right? Yeah. Which obviously proving itself true. Very true. What I loved about about him is uh, that he was very willing to be in the cipher. Yeah, uh, it didn't matter if there weren't people necessarily at his level. He was, uh, you know, give and take. Yeah, he had a smile and he kind of played with it. Yeah, uh, just enjoy being around people that like to spit. Yeah, and uh, never you never had that air about you know that that he was better than anybody else. Oh no, it was it was uh, those moments were magical because it felt like. Uh, there was just a lot of love for hip hop in the room, right? And that is like, I think that's what's cool about mine. Your friendship is because it was before I was a pastor. I mean, I was doing my PhD, but I wasn't a professor quite yet. I became a professor really kind of early in, but uh, but it was just like it was about the love of hip hop that was always kind of like obviously our faith and all and our love for teaching and all these things kind of connected us as well. But at the beginning of it all, it's like this this love of hip hop, which does all those things. Yeah, it does. It really does. And you don't actually find too many people in christian circles 
like that in love with the the culture expression. Yeah. So it's a rare thing that you hang on to. That's very true, man. Yeah. Yeah. Those are uh, fond moments for me. Just remembering that. Yeah. Like energy in the room, like you're saying, because it's a, it's a building of a community. Like, like we from, if it was O2, like you're saying, and it probably was, then, you know, there were, you know, two, three years there. I remember us releasing a, a, a compilation in 05, like, and doing shows at Laurier in 05. Yeah, the hip hop helps. Right? Yeah. And those, like, those are things that uh, are really difficult to replicate. Yeah. You know, just being around that many people that are uh, enthusiastic about the culture and selfless, and they just, we just enjoy each other's company. But yeah, there was a number of yeah. rhymes spit together. Yeah, it's probably yeah. It was probably end of two thousand three, two thousand four when I when I moved to Kitchener. Okay. So it was, and it was even before that we had started talking. So we were definitely uh, already kind of vibing. It's funny how those things work out too, and the different connections that come out of it. Like uh, just thinking about with Relic and and uh, you know his great musical career as well, and uh, just the touching base. Like it feels like from the get go when I was with you, I feel that kind of hip hop kind of synergy. And then you were really good at just helping people come and connect and make those things, like, create a natural environment. Because that show would be, you were hosting it, right? And you'd be like, oh. right, yeah. And it was just like, and you weren't even rapping that much no. publicly at the time. I remember I always kind of encouraged you. We all did because we just knew you had it. Uh, but you were like, you were a DJ, you were organizing, you were kind of like a uh, hip hop activist but in many ways, right? Mm. You kind of help us all get things together and, and help and create that scene. And then, uh, it, but it had that real vibe to it. And then I remember that kind of, uh, that being almost being phase one of your kind of hip hop, you know what I mean? Like you were kind of like the Diddy helping throw shows and stuff before you came the rapper or whatever. Like, uh, cause I feel like what happened was then after you started doing music, uh, but when you did it, you were like putting bands together and you were, get, remember? Yeah. You know I mean, that was like alive. Yeah. And you started, you started drawing together your other loves, not just the hip hop side, but like, okay, I love this type of music. I like folk music. And you started, the show started becoming, uh, as soon as you kind of saw what we were doing live, what was potential, you started pulling together. Cause a lot of times what I would always do is just pr- play my track of my, uh-huh. my music and rap over top of it, which I loved. And I did, but I was in England. I used to work with a live band. I used to love it. And we had, mm. uh, or jazz band. And Sarnia had a live band too. Yeah. So I had bands live a lot. Um, but what I loved is that you were able to help organize that because bands aren't the easiest to keep going. People don't realize that. I've seen, like, I saw my live band in England. I saw the bassist punch uh, the keyboardist on stage during a gig. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, and then he's trying to hold 11 musicians together. That kind of octopus was no more. After okay. That. Please tell that story. <laughs> It's as simple as it goes. Like the <laughs> the keyboardist helped ride a whole bunch of us together, and and it was one of the uh, basically put out ads for people. I answered an ad to be an MC, and then another guy, this guy named Ninko, did as well. And we ended up both doing it, and we had like two female singers, a male singer. He was like a lounge singer, and he created this whole band. It was awesome. It was called Octopus, and we were this big eleven, twelve piece acid jazz band. But the keyboardist was really particular because he wanted to run everything and keep it all together. Mm-hmm. At one point, the bassist got mad and punched him on stage and then I think we did like one show after that again and it was like I remember just being up on the stage like what like kind of rapping like what's going on trying to calm them down so so my point being like live music it's complicated right band members have to all get along and so uh, when you started making that part of your live show that was I saw like a next stage of like whoa this is like yeah I was in a place I was in a place where I I thought I was supposed to be and maybe it was phase one as a promoter, as a DJ, like when the MCs would come and, um, and try and freestyle, 
I started not just like playing a beat and then playing another beat. I started blending beats. I started yes. like keeping the vibe going so we could freestyle for 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time. Yeah. Um, and so that's how like I got my DJ chops. Yeah. And uh, in, in sort of, yeah, mixing beats. Um, and then I remember I was a guest. I was sitting in on someone else's show and there was freestyling happening. And then I jumped on the mic once and everyone said, whoa, like, where did that come from? We didn't know, you know, we knew you as a DJ. We didn't know that you could rhyme. Yeah. Um, and then there was one other time I remember um, just freestyling in my room. And then it felt like like it felt like a spiritual experience. And yes. all of a sudden, like, oh, OK, this is like, you know, me communicating with myself and with God. And, yes. and all of a sudden I, c- I can rhyme. And then there's all these people around me like yourself and Kinsman and Shad and Fraser and sorry, Soul Natural and just being um, like, you can do this. Yeah. Yeah. So then so. Yeah, I, I remember getting trips out to your apartment in Kitchener because you had the microphone. Yeah, yeah, and I could record computer. it, right? Yeah, it was the one place where we could record stuff. And that's how my demo. That's how my demo got done. Yeah, because we we did a lot of stuff on the same day. We had like, we came in and like you were there and Shad and Fraser and Mere Mortal and we recorded like a couple of songs and yeah. then I remember Shad did a couple little things as you, and you were recording things for even your mixtapes and stuff. Yeah, I remember we did a b- bunch of projects all together. Yeah. I, I look back at those days going like I remember I, what happened was I, I was just getting so I was becoming a professor I was get, getting busy and I kind of oh I don't know how much time I have and I look back I'm like I had so much more time than I realized mm. I should have we should have just like recorded an album or you know what I mean yeah. like, we, we were, but you don't realize at that time you're just living you think it'll, it'll remain forever yeah right but it was cool man I remember that I remember Shad there rapping I remember like and we were just like in in my uh my big extra room because i didn't have any kids mm-hmm. so, yeah no yeah, kids it was fun man and you were organizing even then you were like okay you gotta drop, do this job and do, i remember that because a lot of the projects would get kind of done that way i think in hip-hop that's one of the things you need is someone to help manage the projects make sure yeah. things get to completion and uh that was really helpful it's the energy i see that now that the en- there's a there's energy that needs to be required and like like a band everyone has a role yes right and so as long as people are cool with it. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm in a group right now with uh, a bunch of teachers that, uh, that do hip hop music. That's awesome. Yeah. And so there's like a DJ and there's like graph writers and uh, producers and all, and all this stuff. And even like new to the craft MCs that we're like mentoring along and we're yeah. all teachers. And so what's neat is there's a level of selflessness in the group where, you know, some people are pouring out energy to like start tracks and other people help finish it along. And to this point, you know, it's, it's not a year old, but you don't hear a lot of complaining about, you know, who's right. doing what in the group. Like we're just, people give what they can give and, yeah. and things just flow along. And that's, you know, that, that level of community, again, like it's hard to, to find. And so you hang on to it when it's there. Yes. We had one song as, as a group, um, called soul rays. Oh, I love that track. Yeah. And it wound up being a, bonus track on my live record yeah live at the palindrome, live at palindrome man. which you were on as well that was a magical moment that story is the story i was wanting to tell maybe that's here. my <laughs> this is how this thing is flowing so as part of the pod what i have asked uh, the guests to do is to talk about a time where um where the guests and i have worked together or collaborated um it could be an event it could be a song it could be anything that would elicit some kind of conversation and that leads us to this idea of you know creativity or inspiration or or community or learning and so um the guests come 
prepared with a story, and so do I. Yes. And your story is about this live record. Is that yes, right? that's right. Yeah. yeah, live at the Palindrome, man. I remember it really clearly because it was in the thick of the time when I was starting to uh, get things kind of tighter, and I was, uh, I think I was pastoring at the same time as being professor. I think mm-hmm. it was right around that time, right? What year is it? It was uh, 2007. Yeah, so it was right after that year. I thought that's what I was pretty sure. So 2006, I became a pastor, so I'd moved back to Toronto, and um, I was professor at Heritage, and me and Megan were, uh, you know, newly married. We were probably like four years in now. And uh, it was it was kind of this one of those life-changing moments where we're like, okay, we start thinking that we try for kids. And, you know, you're starting to get things together. And I remember uh, feeling kind of pulled away from the hip-hop world in many ways because mm-hmm. I just didn't have the time or the bandwidth. And I always wrote a little bit or I'd do things here and there. But I could see, like, even, like, friendships where I just drop by their houses all the time and, and we make music or those things were just I didn't they weren't in the regular rhythm anymore and it wasn't to do with anything against any of the dudes or anything it was just like life happened kind of you know what I mean and they kind of fade away and you kind of but you, you feel this kind of part of you is like I love this music it's part of who I am it's always I always want to be part of what I am and in many ways you were kind of my connection to that world still because we you, you you were like good at you know, checking up and seeing how you're doing. And, and that was really helpful for me because I, uh, was in the, like the flux of life and I loved it because I, I becoming a pastor of new community and getting to know people. And, but your, your energy just gets so, um, you know, taken up. And I remember you were working on this project and we would do some live shows and you would call me out everyone. So, Hey, you want to come to do this live show? And it was this awesome live band. You had Carrie on the drums and mm-hmm. it was like so good. And, uh, I think it was Andrew on the, yeah, on the keyboard. Andrew right? Korean. Yeah, yeah. Josh on the, yeah. Josh McFadden yeah, playing on the, on bass. bass. Also, yeah. he also has triplets. Oh, wow. It's the triplet crew. <laughs> yeah. Wow, man. And then your cousin Krista was doing the vocals yeah, oh, man. and Carrie so could do good. some raps on top of things too. And, yeah. um, and just getting, getting to come, play with you guys different live shows and i got lucky because i was being the backup guy so i i knew all your songs yeah. so and i i had them in my head so i just come in and i could just do adlibs behind them back up where you needed to breathe um and then we had a couple songs together so we get to do c rap runs mm-hmm. and you know we do a freestyle or two and so i could kind of keep in touch with that world where we did a show at the hard rock cafe at one point oh, yeah like there was lots of different things that we were but you were kind of helping me stay in touch with that world and then the schools would are we do every once in a while have you guys come in and would do something at the school schooler so it was kind of this kind of cross-pollination but um i remember when you were ready to do this record and because uh, you had all your songs and we'd practice them and uh, i remember the day you called and, and, and you were you were like hey are you coming and i was just like there was this moment of like oh maybe i shouldn't go I just, uh, you, know, you know how you kind of can freeze mm-hmm. up and then i was like i need to go i don't know why i just have to and i had something there was a big thing that was happening I was like no i have to go do this and i remember showing up in that uh the studio it was in kitchener right yeah, at the University of Waterloo. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, so I guess Waterloo. Yeah, it was KW, uh, and we were outside. And I remember just kind of talking. And there was that. There was the producer. Who what was that guy's name? That was, oh my gosh, he was like the house producer. Yeah, and he's he was awesome though because he was like he believed in you, man, and he loved what you were doing. And we were just all talking, and there had this, this kind of vibe in there, and he had this feeling of like, okay, we got to go in there, and we got to rock this like pretty well perfectly because you're not going to stop your like, it was live yeah, yeah a, lo- a whole one live take. album yeah. one take and i remember at first getting out there and just being like i just gonna let it go and i and i loved it because we just kind of kind of my whole thing was like helping big you up and then coming in between times and and uh 
the vibe of it made me feel like that's one of those moments in hip hop where I always remember this: the feeling of the love of the music. And you had the, yeah, you're going back and forth, and you're dropping your songs, and, you, and then you go into doing like covers of uh, uh, what's her name, uh, Jill Scott. Yeah, uh, it was so good, right? Yeah, um, and people that didn't even know you or your music could connect in because you were connecting to the music from their childhood too, and just the way it was all put together. Um, I it, will, it is probably one of my favorite live moments, even though it wasn't in, mm. really in front of a big audience. There was an audience on the radio, and yeah. there was uh, the producer there watching it, and I just felt like ah, it wasn't probably a more perfect performance. And anyways, man, it's so great to hear your perspective on that because yeah, like you actually take me to like what it was like being outside, um, yeah, before going in because I I can remember my my cousin like doing the ah, oh, yeah. ah vocal warm ups and. I was like, oh, yeah, that's something that people do when they use their voice a lot. I was like, I was going to go and rap. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and then time after time. Oh, yeah, we did. Like, so, yeah, if you if you're not familiar with with my music, then you, you need to check this out on Bandcamp. It's called Live at the Palindrome. It was uh, yeah June 2007. It was about a month after the CD release party for my first album. Yes. Uh, a brief word. And I actually had that set recorded as well and uh back then it wasn't a digital rendering it was uh, to cd right. so there was a machine recording it and as uh the set was over it was rendering to cd and somebody stepped on the power cord and uh all oh, the yeah. power was gone and that project was completely gone i don't know if we had this uh this live thing set up at at uw at the time or not um, but there was a host over there, KLP, Christine yes. Palma. She, yeah. And she's, she was a longtime supporter yes. of, of the scene and then my music. And she's like, oh, we'll get you to a live to air, which is what UW did with their station. It was a terrestrial station. Like you could get on the airwaves. Yeah. And they would do it. Um, they would have regular live to air performances. Yeah. Um, and so she, she was the one that brought us in and they had this beautiful studio. You know, UW designed yeah. by engineers, right? Yes. Called the Palindrome, and and uh, and you walk in, and it's it looks straight out of the seventies, and there's all these weird orange colors on the wall, and but it, the acoustics were awesome. Yes, it was really really good. It, and it felt I remember we were kind of in a circle, and you, everyone yeah. could see each other in the band, so you're all looking at each other, and you're kind of just vibing and kind of singing at the right time. Yeah. I'm kind of coming in with ad libs. I love it because I could just like, shout random things and stuff, right? Pretty so much, a, which is what I like to do sometimes. So. And you were a wild card in that sense because, like, you had not rehearsed with us. Yeah, it was just like you know the songs. Yeah, and I've done them each kind of different ones live before with one, yeah, like, yeah, but it was never a whole practice. Like yeah, that. and we had like we had a bit of a we had a bit of a set together and. And an understanding of, you know, the intricacies were things that would like catch you off guard. So like we were doing um, a song, we were doing uh, the look of love from my album, but we had like put the jazz, uh, we put some of the jazz yeah. stuff into it that wasn't on the album. So like you didn't know that. And then, then all of a sudden in the middle of the song, we switch to Golden by Jill Scott and the tempo just ramps up super quickly and like you just jump right in like doing the hype <laughs> ad-libs yeah. and like I'm thinking at the time like he has no idea where we're going and is <laughs> totally fine with it Yeah 
so I watched her watching me across the room and now I can't see how I can deny five eight with size and so fly maybe this just might be and if it is watch me celebrate maintain celebrate critics relate that one girl's monotonous I found the love that says that's preposterous she is mine and now there's no stopping us what we holding Jill Scott golden 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 what we holding what we holding, Jill Scott Golden, free, living my life for her promotion. All hard work without the love potion. Demonstrate cards as deep as the ocean. Watch this groove across the dance floor. Lift our hands high and praising the Lord. Holding back respect I can't afford. Cause y'all need to see that and so much more. Living my life like it's golden. 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 Because I told you I love spontaneity. That's oh, my thing. Yeah. And what I my I went in there going like I got to be the best like flavor flav I can be. But like like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a, that's what I was like. I got to just like have good energy and kind of fun and kind of say things and right. So hopefully like flavor flav mixes Chuck D because I, I want to have you know Chuck D's my hero that way. But well yeah, I mean you you gave me an appreciation for Public Enemy because that was a. a the era before yeah me. that was the old school so yeah th- so that you would use flavor flav as your reference on the other side yeah yeah and it was so great because carrie had gotten used to doing the ad-libs as well and so i was always nervous that the two of you would kind of step on each other and it didn't happen it was just this th- it actually provided this more energy yeah because then Krista was all could also do vocals or hype stuff and you know you know call and response and yeah. and all of a sudden you've got this like you know you've got three vocalists behind you that never happens in hip hop yeah right? yeah and you were vibing man you were on your thing you're like that's the other thing I, I give you you're composite professional in terms of like delivering the lines without falters and things which I kind of I maybe don't practice enough or I haven't had it at the time so uh, but live like that's why I love that role with you because mm. you kind of have your you're the solid line and then you can kind of play off that and it creates because I remember we did that when we went to that thing in um was it Pickering uh, or was it uh, Markham or yeah. uh, Newmarket? Yeah, it was uh, it was Markham. Yeah, the Alliance and it was Church. A good Friday. Yeah, and this Alliance Church they would have like the, they would have a youth service. Yeah, but. Yeah, it's like a good we Friday youth it. retreat. And they had us come out. We even did like freestyling over the main worship band. Yep. Remember they did uh, Our God is Mighty to Save and we came in and did a little freestyling. That's it. right. I think it was Regan who now is at the CMA. I, yeah, I Regan Newdorf. Yeah, he like, he had some good vision for letting us go in to do that too. Shout out to Regan. There was six or 700 people in that building. Yeah, man, it was a rock. We rocked that. I remember that yeah. live. It was such a good show. Had a yeah. great vibe to it. And it was based, and that was kind of built off of what we did with the album. That's right. And That's I, right. so that album in the palindrome, am I correct in thinking that it won like live to air album of the year that year? At yes. The university. Yes. At, at UW. Yeah. They, had, they have a bunch of awards from like from their radio show. And it's all like local music award winning. Yeah. yeah. Live to air album. And Mr. Uh, Corbin. Yeah. The it was fun. Yeah. It's the Sonic Boom Awards. Yeah. They won, a, won a 2007 Sonic Boom. There you go, man. Um, that was a great, great show and it uh and i think in many ways helped kind of you know kick off what you've become in terms of like this uh ability to have this 
a full holistic sound, I guess, and kind of approach, right? Because even there, you're in the university, you're dealing with the different, it's a relationship build with the KPG, and all of it kind of comes out of the ethos that you've always wanted to, to build into the, the hip-hop and the musical community, I think, mm. in Ontario. Well, I appreciate that a lot, for yeah. sure. Appreciate you, man. Oh, word. to see what you got here bro this is uh i tell this story a lot when i'm dealing with students that or dealing with students or young artists that haven't haven't performed before right um, or are very new to performing and this you know i don't have a lot of embarrassing moments on stage (laughs) but there's something about this that is it's super embarrassing, but it's still something I tell a lot. Right? <laughs> That's awesome. So it's got to be one of these stories. So um, just a bit of background. Like when I was DJing and finding my way in rap, there was a point of time where, again, where you talked about wanting to come alongside people or, or help people organize. There had been uh, the Canadian Christian uh, music distributor. Yes. I developed a relationship with the guy that dealt with distributing Christian music to various bookstores. And because of my role with the hip hop show and getting to know the scene, I knew a lot of different artists and I'd play their music. And so the guy that I, I developed a relationship with, he said, you know, like who should I be looking out for? Uh, And I would sort of give him names of people I was playing on my show. Um, so I was at a show with, uh, promise uh, I dragged my wife to go see Promise because because he had a band and it was one of the right times yeah he had yeah. A band. So I'm like, well, this is going to be like my wife who doesn't like hip hop as much. Like this is going to be like a musical evening, right? Yeah, yeah. And there were some singers there and um, and Nifty performed and you know got you know n- this is names from like early 2000s yes. you know Canadian music fast. Yeah, and and Mano, he wasn't there, but there's some. I gotta get him on the pod. Man. Yeah, some, man, no doubt. Some traveling stories that we should we should get into. Yeah, he's part of that Mars Hill show too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah he was at that. Yeah, back in in uh, 2001. So so Nifty comes up to me. I've never met him before, and he gives me this big hug. He's like, John, it's so nice to meet you. I love and Nifty. Then he starts talking to my wife, and he says, he says this guy got me a distribution deal before he even knew who I was before we'd even <laughs> shaken hands. What? I didn't know that. That's amazing. So I gave, you, you gave Nifty I, as a name. To, I gave the name to the distributor. Yeah, 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 here's yeah, a guy you should check uh, out. They follow through and get him a distribution deal from like all across Canada yes. where he can get his CDs and all these Christian bookstores, which is the audience that he wanted to, yeah. to, to go for. So that was a really, that was a really cool moment just for his uh, gratitude. And I didn't realize, you know, um, the impact of just right, you know, yeah. being that sort of selfless. And so there's this window um, where I'm married. So that's 2004. Um, you know, there's a window where I'm not rapping yeah. yet, 
but I'm like priming myself to be your manager. Yes. Do you remember yeah, this? I totally remember yeah. this. Yeah. Because I was doing a lot of shows back then. I would go do a bunch of different shows. That's right. That's and right. I wasn't, I, I, that was when I started to feel overwhelmed. So I was like, ah, I need someone to help me to manage all these shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have no idea what I'm doing. Which is fine because we, we, we grow together. And you had your own label and uh, yeah. Prophetic Poetic. And yeah. Where, you know, either had an album out or working. Do you remember when Phosphat did O-Series? It, it dropped in 2005. Okay, 2005. 2005, yeah. So I was in the middle of making that album. And then and you were always really good at helping get things done, like I said. like So you would get shows going. You would musically be able to fill in, do DJing things. And, yeah, so we were – it felt really like a good synergy there. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good connection. I, I'm going to say it just – I'm just going to say it again. If you haven't checked out Il Sears' album, Phosphatid Il Searing. Ah, thank you. Um, I, if, you're, if you're a Spotify user, just look up Il Sear. Yeah, I-double-L-S-double-E-R. Because I don't know if you'll be able to spell Phosphatid Il Searing. Great nutrient. Really left of center hip-hop for sure. Yes, yeah. So somewhere in here, like, so this managing thing, Dissolves, and I can't remember why. That's not the point of the story. I mean, you, you could fill me in if you want, but we. I think the, we just started do, doing like I. I was able to do less shows, and you were getting shows you could do, and it just kind of was like, dude, you do shows, I'll show up and help you. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like I was too busy, right? And really, right. honestly, I feel like in many ways, I. I was like, it was a perfect kind of thing where you were starting to grow as an artist and doing your own thing, and then it's kind of. I was just kind of like, John, you could do this, man. Like, right, right, and, right, and yeah, it was encouraging and. So within this sort of, so then there's this transitioning or bridging where like we're doing shows together yes. and like supporting each other depending on who's being featured. Yeah. So in the Kitchener area, this is 2006, yeah. um, there's a one-time Christian music festival yes. called Nidus. Nidus. And it's nest in Latin. Like most, uh, I hope this isn't any shade, for most most festivals they bite off more than they can chew straight away and we never saw them again right but there's some good producers and uh, uh, it was a good infrastructure yes uh, there was some money behind it and everything i think it was just like whether or not they should go for it more and there's been other little versions but this was like a big it was show. big they did it big uh and they did well with you know getting uh international acts and yeah. then like investing in the local scene. Yep. So I don't remember if it was a hip hop stage. All I remember is that you and I are performing. Yes. And and it's Il Seer and I yeah. got your back. Yes. And so we've been doing this uh for a while and and um you know, I can still hear um uh theory versus practice beat yeah and you know i'll probably have to pipe it into the uh to the pod so people can hear it and it's just like this Slow build energy, and and uh, whenever the the song starts, we jump in the air. Yes, and scream. Will the power? That's it. And on this occasion, on like a big stage in a big room with lots of lights on us, we jump up and scream nihilistic whoop and bump right into each other. <laughs> we jumped into each other. 
And there was big, beautiful lights. I have pictures, like awesome shots from that uh, show. That were, they were in a magazine printed later, in a Presbyterian like okay. record or something like that. Like some beautiful shots on yeah. the stage. Where I need, oh, like yeah. these lights. But yeah. And I don't remember anything else from that show. <laughs> I just remember crashing into each other, nice. me dropping the mic. And then I mentioned the lights for a reason, because when you're on stage and there's all these lights, you can't see the audience, yes. right? So I remember bending down to pick up my mic and looking up and I can see the first two rows of people. And the first person I see is your wife <laughs> laughing her head off. <laughs> Megan don't pull the punches, man. She dies. Not like, at uh, all. Yeah. <laughs> Just smirking with a bang. and grinning. <laughs> and oh, it was... I won't forget her uh, smile. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, face. you know what, though? I remember someone else's smile that show. We were up on stage. It was either when we were on stage or afterwards. Got off stage. I think it was right afterwards. And, and uh, it was Shane Claiborne, man. He was looking at us going, yeah, like looking at us. Shane had his long Yo. braids or anything. Yeah. And I remember seeing him. Uh, later, years later, I did a, I spoke. And I did a spoken word piece that ended up in a book okay. called Letters to a Future Church. But uh that uh, moment, I remember talking to him afterwards, and and he kind of remembered me. He's like, "Hey, how's it going?" We didn't talk about the night festival, but like he he knew who I was, uh-huh. and we were speaking at a conference later. So so we got some respect at the same time, man. Uh, with our, we started off with a bang, but the, I guess the show was good enough <laughs> to get a nod from uh, you know a gifted uh, modern kind of. Christian Mennonite like yourself there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Card, right? Yeah, he's not a black Mennonite, but yeah. he's good enough. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, good yeah. Enough. <laughs> wow, I did not know that he was at that yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Shy played at that, that Nidus Festival too. And we I remember we did a Hunter Huntley Street came around with cameras and we did like a I did a spoken word song bombing little like when they break off into workshops, we did one of those, and there was a few people are rhyming there, and Shad was there, and did he rhyme too? I remember that. Like that was wow, yeah, that was that was a cool little moment because that was kind of spontaneous, right? There was just some people like we did this thing, and I remember that. Now I don't know. I remember some some little clips ended up on the TV show, but I'd rather I'd like to see the footage, like because mm-hmm. that was like we were just all in our element then, just kind of being who we were. It wasn't really, you know, I mean, we didn't know where it was going or anything. It was just kind of. Doing the music. That's so. great. Yeah. I don't recall that at all. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, I remember meeting Drew Brown there. Nice. And I, I mentioned that because we um, now the three of us are yeah. a part of an artist collective called Personic. Personic, yes. And so it, you met him there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that's where you first met him. And I guess he was in Winnipeg at the time because he was on a record label. Yeah. And, uh, and the the one thing you 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 know for sure is when you have artists uh, when you meet artists like sometimes you do a CD swap right uh, and he couldn't do that because the label was uh, the label wouldn't let him give any CDs away so he wanted to swap with me but all I had was my demo oh. and he's out here talking about like how he knows my demo and I've right. never I'm like. I was just like that's not true like how is this guy in Winnipeg in the era of MySpace. Maybe he's got an ear for music that Drew Brown. He does. He does. And then, <laughs> yeah, in 2016, he hits me up and says, uh, uh, "I'm starting a." I'm, he said, "I'm starting a label. And I want you to join." And it, it didn't. It wound up not looking like a label. It's this artist collective. Yeah, collective. And yeah. now we're all back together. Yeah, and doing music at different things, and it's pretty pretty amazing, man. To see how that's a full circle. I didn't realize that you met him at the Ninus. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna, when it, you know, when he comes on the pod, I'm gonna drop that on him as yeah. well. 
But it does lead me to sort of ask you, um, you know, now you're you're part of this collective. You've gone through all of this transition. I mean, we have we you know we'll, we'll bring you back to talk about delegates of culture. Like, right. you, you yeah, yeah, of like, course. Yeah, I was in UK, and it's like, yeah, you're in UK doing your masters, and like joined a multinational <laughs> rap group. Yes, like that's, you know, it's part of the industry. <laughs> yeah, some of them are doing like the boy Injun now, man. He's doing massive like forty five thousand people parties and stuff in wow. Europe and stuff. Like he's he just won drum and bass MC of the year, and like he's wow. like yeah, man. So uh, the whole crew is super talented. The delegates, yeah, yeah and and you were part of the, the lone. Canadian representation. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring you back to talk about that. But so that you've gone through this, like you said, married and and you've got three kids and and you did your PhD and that was a journey and a half. Yes, you're right, you saw that. Two two different churches and now now a church plant. Like, yeah. and yet you know clinging to this creative expression, right? Right, bringing yeah. that into your craft, either yeah. as a teacher or as a pastor. Yeah, definitely. And then recording when you can. Like, yeah. What? Where do you? What do you see for yourself in terms of the, that creative aspect of your life? Uh, you know what? It's interesting you said that because so at the end of every uh, church service, I do a freestyle prayer. I do a psalm, mm. and these are all like these aren't a lot of these people are in their fifties and some in sixties and some you know thirties, forties, twenties. But uh, everyone seems to allow me to do it it's part of who i am i know before in churches there's probably some people didn't like it but uh now just people know it just kind of comes with the territory so um i love it i so, uh, i've I love using freestyle in different places. I love using spoken word in different places. Like I, I will use it maybe at the, the CMA national convention. I might be doing something there with my buddy, Darren, uh, from Groundswell, Darren Martin, uh, and, uh, the Martin brothers. Um, I might be using it, uh, at the president, uh, Gary Nelson at Tyndale is going to be, uh, stepping down. He's resigning. Uh, and, uh, I might be doing something special at like one of the chapels. They've asked me to do a spoken word piece. And so I love being able to do little kind of interesting, cool things like that too. Like bring the, bring it into the kind of the, the liturgy of life as well. I've done it at person, friends, funerals or, um, at weddings. So there's, there's that connection. I'm writing a book kind of on song bombing about kind of this holistic aspect of poetry being part of the Christian experience. Um, uh, so yeah, there's a number of things happening there. I, when I finally put out one of my books, I want to put a, an album out alongside of. I got some raps for it, and maybe a, see if you can throw me a beat or something. Or. Okay, he's, <laughs> he's negotiating on the air, folks. Well, he's got the uh, the <laughs> relational capital to, to to spend. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, beat making. It remind yeah, it reminds me of uh, the album that we that we never made. Ah. Uh, uh, so maybe maybe there's C-rap a way run. to bring the best C rap run. Yes. Yeah, um, okay. So you just said you said the liturgy of life, and I think I wanted to just stop everything. I'm like, we're done here. <laughs> I love this. The liturgy of life. So okay. So my last question is something I've always wondered. Um, it might be my own hang up, which is fine. But you have been a presence in hip hop culture. Uh, and presence in 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 lyricist culture, which I think is um, somewhat separate, mm-hmm. as a outspoken person of faith, right? Living in a world with people who didn't share it, yeah, um, right. With a boldness that I don't see from other people. Not necessarily to pat you on the back, but I'm just more about like. Is this you? Is this intentional? I'm thinking about. I'm. I, I, my question's really long. I'm thinking about the other day. I was driving in Tor- in Toronto, 
and uh, I was pulling out of a parking garage, and I thought I saw Mindbender. Ah, the yeah, MC. yeah, 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 yeah. And it was so quick that I was about to like roll down my window and start. Yeah, and then I was like, I don't, I don't know. It was so quick. I, I thought right. I saw my, and it just reminded me of you building relationships with people who like right. actively don't like faith or religion right. yeah. or Christianity yeah. specifically. Yeah, and you're here, sort of. This is who I am. I'm doing it with hip hop. Like, where did you get this? boldness from where'd you get this approach from? oh that's a good you know what dude it's funny because i started doing hip-hop um i'd say separate from my faith in a certain way i would speak lines of my faith into into my words but uh i wasn't it wasn't in the faith community actually first time i ever rap on stage was at a, a christian event um but besides that like my music was always made with non-christian people so i was kind of just speaking my voice as one of the voices in the mix right mm. and they would usually let me do that as long as i wasn't kind of over dominating but i had mentioned faith things and we would talk about it. they knew um part of it was me just kind of struggling through faith and what, what do i hold and not hold um when i started doing my hip-hop stuff in england i was in the middle of kind of questioning lots of my faith because i was at a master's university it was kind of um they were kind of in many ways deconstructing faith and I, and philosophy. Yeah. And so I was going through a lot of questioning. So my music would have that as part of it. The questioning was part of it. And I think that was something that people could, okay, he's being real. Um, and then as I kind of grew older and it, my, my faith became more solid again, um, I, I would still hold on to that in my music, but I had all these connections and friends who already kind of loved me and we were connected to. Um, yeah. So I, like when you ask me who I keep close, like I keep my family close. I keep, you know, key kind of mentors and elders. So keep you close, which, uh, and then I have a group of friends I grew up with since high school. That's like grade nine mm. who are, I'm, those are the people I meet, you know, at least a couple of times a year we go away, we see each other every boxing day and they're not all Christian. Some are, some aren't. So I'm, I'm just, kind of, I guess I live in that as a reality. And so that, that being part of my musicality, I'll make music with some of them too. Right. And then they're not Christians right. and that's who I kind of started making music with. Um, so I feel like part of it is people like authenticity. So yeah. they might not agree with everything I say, but they'll be like, you know, maybe what you said before, you gain the social or the relationship capital to be able to say those things and, and we can talk about it afterwards. Um, so I, I'm hoping that's part of it. And mm-hmm. I, 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 it is an interesting dilemma because I remember, so I'll give you an example, I coach basketball, we'll to go coach a game tonight. I mean, last game, um, one of the players' dads saw my son wearing a hat. He looked at it and had a Wu-Tang sandal. He's like, he's like, does your dad let you wear that? Because he knows I'm a pastor, right? And I was right. like, that's my hat. Like, that's, <laughs> you know I mean? like, that's my hat. Just, and, then, and, so, and then try to explain that. How to, like, I, I love the Wu-Tang. And I'm a pastor at the same time. That's a big conversation. But yeah. maybe that's part of how that plays itself out. Yeah. Yeah. The authenticity. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So. Okay. So 2020. Hmm. And you've talked about a book and maybe some... Yeah, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot. Yeah, but what are you aiming at creatively? What, what the first what thing do I need to do is finally release this. I did the book of Habakkuk as a rap. Okay, over yeah. Beats by Theory has it. I've heard, I've heard this. Yes, I've heard this. So I need to just release that and yeah. kind of go. Okay, it's, it's actually out there in the ether. Um, and then I want to get my next project will probably go along with this book I was talking about uh, called Prophets with the P and the. Uh, so prophets is poets, but with um, the mm-hmm. R and the PH in brackets. So it's poets, prophets, yeah. and it's about how Christianity uh, has always used poetry as part of the, its prophetic voice. Um, like I said earlier, Augustine, Gregor Nazianzus, Ephraim the Syrian, George Herbert in English. Like, uh, so I have a book that kind of breaks into that. In the last section of it, it's going to be um, uh, kind of talking about hip hop and 
in theology. So that that will be kind of something I want to have. I have some poems I've written on that topic a long time ago, but I want it to come out as like a little EP alongside of it. Mm-hmm. So those are probably my two next musical things. But usually the best thing is like you're doing something and I'll jump on a right. track and go, hey, man, drop a verse. Because like, uh, to be honest, that seems to be where the, my most productivity comes from. I feel like you're like helping me keep my uh, catalog active. So thank you for that. That's fantastic. Yeah, I've wanted to, I wanted to make a shirt with like all the names of all the songs that we've done. Together. Oh, that'd yeah. be awesome. Yeah. Or, you know, just put them on CD and yeah, yeah. Like, help them find a little, like little mixtape. Like, yeah. 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 Spotify playlist or something. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that's it. Some of them, some of them have yet to go on Spotify, so maybe that's uh, that's a challenge for me. Oh, nice um, this is neat. I I think that um, I really hope that uh, the folks listening here are able to engage your work as it comes out. Um, Thank because, you, man. Um, because I I've always I've always really liked it. Yeah. I've no, I, I appreciate it. you've always supported from day one, even though it's like you said a little off center in some ways yeah. uh, and I think you've helped me kind of learn a bit about getting that little bit more of that pop voice too like uh, in terms of like not pop but like the conventional musicality mm-hmm. I always think like Day of Rest like, when I look at songs I'm like ah, I really like that song it, yeah. kind of, it catches something that I'm like I need to that's more people that listen to my catalog will be like, oh that song I really that's catchable or, or Sea Rap Ride or things like you know what I mean where it's a little more digestible yeah uh, I need to recognize that as digestible. being an important thing like in a, in a good way like uh because I do think that um, the type of hip hop I've put out for a long time is almost for a specialist. Like they have to really like hip hop and certain things. They have to like the like the dissonance and you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah, there's an edge yeah, to yeah, it for sure. Yeah, so yeah. so I'm realizing like there's something that I love that and that's part of my creativity. But there's also something about being like just a funky beat and you're just kind of bouncing and yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I'm uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to have had that as part of my catalog for a while and now i'm starting to think about how do, how do i make that live band type of thing kind of part of a natural ethos that mm-hmm. i kind of return to well we will uh watch with anticipation <laughs> and uh yeah when this stuff comes out we'll uh bring you back to tell some more stories thank you man yeah looking forward to your next project oh this, boy this podcast this is a, it the yeah, pro- yeah, this yeah. is it right now the podcast and uh, yeah, we'll just continue to make music and see what happens. Awesome, man. I can't yeah. wait to listen to both. Great. Blessings, man. Much love. Peace. God bless. Waking up, shaking up. Something hits my head like lead. My boy said, Daddy, pants, get out of bed. Can't feel it dead. More patchy than your cabbage. Then it catches me. Oh yeah, it's my Sabbath. Silly rabbit, my kids ain't latchkey. Bricky, I'ma grab it. They spatula smash me. Then back to Batman's lab. It's a lazy day. Joking, God's ways and praise. Soaking in creation, sun rays. Listen to the runaway. In a position to obey the fourth commandment. And it, of course, conveys life to me and my wife. Astonished by my day of rest. Honestly can say I'm blessed. Remember your day of rest and keep it holy. I, I, I just, I, I, I just stopped and fo- 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 focused on God. Remember your day of rest and keep it holy. Pause. I, I, I just stopped and fo- 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 focused on God. 
Find some time to shoot free throws. Next day's task, I see those. I need some strength for your people. Cause this work week has been lethal. But your work in me is unequal. And I'm doing my best to flee evil. Spending time with you in one spot. Just chilling, working on my jump shot. See the sun going down, that moment of clarity. How you've been there for me. Reminisce on the ways that you care for me. Sunrise to sunset, prayerfully. I seek wisdom, I want to draw near. Take my conviction, make me a seer. Lift it high on my day of rest. I'll testify that I've been blessed. Remember your day of rest and keep it holy. Take time for your children. Prioritize your relationship building. On your day of rest. Spend time with nature and end any kind of hatred. On your day of rest. Talk to the God of peace. Count your blessings and pray for increase. On your day of rest. Meditate on God's word. Create and permeate what you heard. Thank you so much for listening to the John Corbin Podcast. Please let me know what you think of the episode by connecting with me on social media at John Corbin Music, J-O-N-C-O-R-B-I-N. Find out more information about my creative work at johncorbinmusic.com. This episode was edited by Tanya for Smart Creations and supported by people like you at patreon.com slash Corbin. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon.